Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Anthony Booker, and welcome to the Gathering Place Ministries. Today we're going to be talking about who are the two witnesses? Who are the two witnesses of the book of Revelation? And first off, I just want to uh, start off with explaining that the book of Revelation is symbolic. If you don't understand that, you're definitely going to misinterpret uh, many things in the book. Uh, Jesus sent and signified the book of Revelation by his angel to the Apostle John. The key to understanding Revelation is found in Revelation 119, which says, Write the things which thou hast seen, that's the past, and the things which are, that's present, and the things which shall be hereafter, that's the future. Here begins the reading of God's Holy Word. I'm reading from Revelation 11, 3 through 5, which says, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So far the scripture. We have heard all types of arguments telling us who the two witnesses are. Uh, some have said Moses and Elijah, Enoch and Elijah, Enoch and Moses. We have even heard of Eldad and Medad of Numbers chapter 11. There are those also that uh, hold the belief that Enoch and Elijah have to be the two witnesses because they didn't die. And the Bible says it is pointed unto men once to die, but after death, the judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. But if you're just basing your belief off of the fact they didn't die you've already failed to realize that the last remnant of the church will also be alive at the second coming of christ to meet the lord in the air so there is some searching still yet to be uncovered zachariah gives us a clear picture though of who the two witnesses were and are zachariah 4 1 through 6 says and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of sleep and said unto me what seest thou and i said i have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof so i answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying what are these my lord then the angel that talked with me and answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. He explains that the two olive trees was the word of the Lord saying. But the question is, from whose mouth? Ezra tells us who they were historically. Ezra 5, 1 and 2 says, Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Jezedek, and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and with them were the prophets of God helping them. Revelation 11:6 it gives the description of the power of the two witnesses. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. 
Now, immediately, some will jump to the conclusion that the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah here because the heaven was shut up and the waters were turned to blood. But really, all prophets have the power to shut up heaven and turn waters to blood. Even in the book of Haggai, the prophet calls for a drought because the children of Israel didn't feel it was time to build the temple. Chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 says, Therefore the heavens over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the, the hands. So what the apostle telling, is telling us in Revelation eleven six, he's giving us a picture of the condition of Egypt when Israel was leaving and a corrupt spiritual leadership in the days of Ahab. Anytime God gives people blood to drink, it's showing they are under his judgment. And when the heaven is shut up, you can't hear God and deception is prevalent in the land. I want you to understand that there is deception in the land now because people cannot hear God. And you have false prophets rising, speaking things that God did not say. Oh, this is a definitely a fulfillment of Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 13. Many are rising with great signs and wonders, false signs though, that they are saying that they are anointed, a Christ. They are anointed, but they are deceived and they are deceiving many. Later in Zechariah chapter four, the angel lets Zechariah know the olive trees are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord. It is clear to see historically that these two, Haggai and Zechariah, were these two olive branches. Ezra 6.14 says, And the elders of the Jews builded and they pro prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. These two prophets point to two last day witnesses as well. Haggai's name means to be festive, a feast day or a sacrifice. And Zechariah's name is interpreted as Yah has remembered. The true church has remembered the Lord's sacrifice. Jesus was that sacrifice for us, and communion is a great reminder of that. 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 25 and 26 says, After the same manner he took the cup, when he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. While there is a remnant church that carries the gospel of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord remembers their sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In Hebrews uh, 6, 10, it says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. The prophet Zechariah tells of the high priest Joshua, the son of Josedek, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. The name Josedek means Jehovah righted or Jehovah's righteousness. This Joshua is, of course, a picture of Jesus the Christ, our great high priest, our apostle. For he is also our righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. 
Zerubbabel's name means uh, scattered in Babylon. And Shealtiel means I ask God, which tells us the Lord through the prayers of the remnant church is building their walls. He's building us together. We are scattered in the Babylon of this world. The world is a Babylon. We are the one asking God in intercession. We are praying to God and God is building the walls of the church. He's building us. The Bible lets us know that in Matthew that he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you understand the word build is edify? It's the prophetic word that helps build the church of God. And God is using two witnesses to build that church. Do you understand? that the two witnesses then have to be somebody that we know. Somebody that we know. There is a fiery word in the mouth of God's people to build and to bring down the judgment of God on a rebellious and oppressive apostate church. Jeremiah 5, 11 through 14. Now, Revelation 11, 7, 8 says, and when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, who is Sodom in Egypt where our, where our Lord was crucified at? Well, it's obvious that it is Jerusalem because spiritually in Jeru Jerusalem was that Sodom, was that Egypt, but which one, which Jerusalem? considering that Israel was not really collectively gathered and brought back as God's people, what it is going to happen is going to happen in the days when Christ returned, when he comes back, they will, of course. But who could this scripture be speaking of? Paul calls the body of Christ the Israel of God. And in Romans chapter uh, 2, uh, he gives us an argument that a Jew is not one outwardly, but a Jew is one inwardly from the circumcision of the heart. So then, could the church be this Sodom in Egypt where our Lord was crucified? Let's look at the latter first. The Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. This is not the same as being overtaken in the fall as Galatians 6, 1 speak of, nor is it the occasional sin whereby you can confess and be cleansed according to 1 John 1 and 9 and 2 and 1. But this is outright apostasy. The word fall away in this passage is somewhat different than 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. The falling away of uh, 2, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians sorry, 2 and 3 deals with those who never gave Christ a chance at all and rejected that way. That's more of a societal falling away from morality and good values, a belief in a higher power because of the presence of the church on the earth. But the word in Hebrews 6 and 6 is uh, the Greek word parapipto. Para means walking alongside and pipto means to fall from. So these people fell from what they knew about God. They outwardly had a relationship with God, and by their apostasy, they crucified the Son of God afresh or again. The Bible says when Israel fell into apostasy, they were to him as Sodom and Egypt. 
Isaiah 1, 14 and 10. It says, I'm sorry, one, uh, Isaiah 1, 4 and 10, it says, in the days of Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. You see here? Rulers of Sodom, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. And in Amos chapter 1, uh, 9 and 7, it says, The word of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of J J Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Are ye not as the ch children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, saith the Lord? Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kaphtor, and Syrians from Ker? So when Judah was in apostasy, God likened them to Sodom and Israel was likened unto Egypt. Paul called the church the Israel of God. And just like Old Testament Israel were divided into the North and South kingdoms, so did the church divide into the East and West divisions of Christendom. Judah represents the Catholic church and Israel represents the Protestant church. The church in Germany was indicative of apostate Israel and Judah. When Hitler came to power, the Catholic Church was at its doorstep with a covenant they wanted him to sign. But in return, they had to give the Hitler salute signifying that they approved of his government. On the other hand, many from the Protestant Church compromised their beliefs, their teachings and their Christ to receive a new ideology of race, blood and soil called positive Christianity. You can look this stuff up in history. They changed their name to the German Christians or the National Church. In place of the cross, they received Hitler's swastika on and in their assemblies. Mein Kampf was the book they had to preach from now. This book was basically the abomination that caused desolation in the Christian churches and schools in the era and time and history of Hitler. But out of the midst of all this chaos stood two men, Martin Niemuller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let me say that again. Martin Niemuller and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. They became the voices of the church in that region and in Europe at that particular time. They made a band of men called the Pastors Emergency League or the Confessing Christians. What were they confessing? that Jesus was still Christ and that he was the true leader. You have to remember that Jesus is the Christ and he is the one that's the leader. They resisted the Nazi regime until World War II broke out. They saw irreconcilable differences between the new positive Christianity and Christianity. You understand that even in that particular time, they had a situation where that the German Christians, they begin to call themselves positive Christianity. And what was going on there is that they were aligning themselves with the beast of that time. That was Hitler. They were aligning themselves with him and they were promoting the swastika in place of the cross. Fitz Stern in his book, Dreams and Delusions says, by these two men that gradually parts of the Protestant 
and I said that was Israel, and Catholic clergies, I said that was Judah, began to struggle with national socialism. But by the time the churches acted, the Nazis fought back, eventually sending thousands of priests to prison and concentration camps. In any case, the more the churches caused trouble, the stronger became Hitler's resolve to end Christianity. And after the war, these men were the voices in that time and in the church. And in the face of Hitler's attack on Poland in September 1939, the churches stood dumb and confused, unable to raise a voice of protest, spiritless and without initiative. The Nazis' war of attrition had at last triumphantly achieved its miserable objective, end quote. Revelation 11 says that the two witnesses would be or lie dead in the street for three and a half days, and three and a half days they would ascend to heaven. While the church was out of the picture, the Nazis Nazified Christmas with the hanging of swastikas on trees and the burning of the Yule log and sending presents one to another. You see, the Bible talks about this in Revelation 11. See, we have to remember the word of God is relevant and it is happening in all of our times. These centuries are not dead things that were happening. God's word was being fulfilled. And we have to remember, we have to search the scripture. The church in Germany lay dead spiritually for three and a half years until the symbolic end of the tribulation period, which was the end of February, 1943. J.S. Conway says the confessing church was silent until 1943. So Daniel's 70th week symbolically begins with Hitler confirming a covenant or the concordant with the Catholic church in 1933. From August of 1939, the end of February, 1943 is 1290 days. If you look at the book of Daniel, you'll understand what I'm talking about with 1290 days. The symbolic end of the tribulation period, basically. So because the actual tribulation happened in the first century. That's for another topic. So the actual tri tribulation happened in the first century, ended about 70 AD. Jesus, of course, did not come, but his word came. The Bible says that his word would judge. Israel or those in the last days. So the word judged Jerusalem. The Christ, Christ did not come in AD 70. He's yet to come after the parousia. He's coming. He's coming at the, I'm sorry. He's coming after the millennial reign, which is a, a heavenly millennial reign. And he comes after that. That's the parousia. The resurrection is at that time as well. So Christ comes after the parousia. I mean, he comes after the millennial reign, which is the parousia, the coming, the second coming of the Lord. America entered the tribulation with Japan and Europe from December 1941 to May 1945, which was three and a half years. The tribulation ended in May of 1945 in Europe. So Daniel 12, 12 says, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty five days. This happened when America dropped the bomb on Japan on August 6, 1945. See, this is not just a coincidence that these days are happening like this. How could all of this just all of a sudden just be a coincidence? It's impossible. Well, this last thing that happened is an explosive revelation. The 2300 days that Daniel spoke of begin in January 1942 to May 1948 when Israel declared statehood. 
the sanctuary would be cleansed even though the tribulation was over in May 1945. There was a cleansing process still being done in the church in Europe. During 1948, the same year Israel became a state, listen, the church began to experience new outpourings of the Spirit of God throughout the world, showing that the cleansing process was complete. The church arose back to the heavenly seat in Christ Jesus. The church are the two witnesses. You have to understand who we are. You are a witness. I am a witness. We as a church, as a people, Judah and Israel, the spiritual people of God, we are the two witnesses that God has spoke about. We are the people that need to rise up and begin to speak the word of God, to begin to speak the prophetic word, to begin to speak the fire of the spirit of God to come out uh, and begin to come against the kingdom of darkness uh, and begin to come against Hitlers that rise up in this season and in this time. We have to understand that God is raising up people, getting ready to come against the works of darkness uh, and manifest and destroy the kingdom of Satan and destroy his tactics and his plans. Hallelujah. We thank God for this, uh, uh, this broadcast today and we ask that the hearers uh, understand what is going on in this season. Thank you, Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Be blessed. <laughs>